We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. Hey. Let me guess. No skies allowed? Huh. What you did yesterday? Getting massive air off that jump to help Sam and that sky girl? Mad props, dude. You're a real charger. Oh, thanks, bro. I didn't even know you saw that. Huh. What's this? Hey, now you're cooling up. <laughs> Going on a sky raid. What's that? Oh, that's a new powder on the back summit. The fattest runs on the hill, man. You wanna come? Can we get busted for that? Hey, only if they catch us. Urchin's motto, man. Go big, go home. All right. All right, come on, y'all. Let's go. Welcome back to Big Screen Sports, the sports movie podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Sports Podcast Network. I'm your host, Kyle Banduho. Episode two of week three of DCOM December, and it's Johnny Tsunami with my buddy Will DeFreeze. Will's been on a couple times before. He did Miracle. He did Mighty Ducks. Uh, if you haven't checked those out, you know, and, and you're a fan of those movies, definitely go check out those episodes. Uh, when I mentioned DCOM December, he asked about Johnny Tsunami. I had to have him on, and yet again, he graciously invited me to his studio. So no audio problems with this one, no echo, no anything. Just a, a really fun conversation about this movie. If you haven't checked out his podcast, uh, Circling Back or Sunday Scaries, please do. Circling Back is hard to explain. It's kind of like the Seinfeld of podcasts. Uh, he, he does it with, with other former guests of this show, Dave Ruff, Dylan Shivery, and uh, it's just it's just a fun light light listen. Um, check it out. Enjoy it. Sunday scaries. Everyone gets them. Uh, and, and Will's podcast is the cure for the Sunday blues. So definitely go check those out. Follow him on Twitter. Uh, you'll get all his information. The rest of this month's schedule looks like this. On next Monday, the 23rd, I'm going to re-upload Remember the Titans. Maybe with some commentary. Remember the Titans was the first episode of this podcast. Back when it was called Trouble with the Script. The guest was my buddy J.R. Hickey, who does Oh Yeah, Oh Yeah, the Entourage podcast. Um, fun episode from what I remember. I'm kind of kind of looking forward to listening again, seeing how this podcast has hopefully improved in almost a year. And then our last episode of the year is going to be Monday, December 30th. It's High School Musical with Mike Schubert. He hosts the Potterless podcast. It is a great episode to end the year with. Already recorded it. A really fun conversation. Really fun talk about that movie. So, um, you know... Be, be on the lookout for that. As always, please follow on social media, Twitter at big underscore screen sport, Instagram at big screen sports pod. You can also follow my personal account at Kyle Banduho. That's B-A-N-D-U-J-O. If you're enjoying DCOM December, if you've enjoyed DCOM December, or you just enjoyed this podcast this year, you haven't uh, rated or reviewed yet, please tap that five-star rating button on Apple Podcasts. Uh, leave a review. Let us know what we're doing. Those ratings on Apple Podcasts do the podcast a ton of good help out a lot and if you know if you've listened to the nearly 50 episodes we've dropped this year haven't rated yet please go do that let me know what you think uh, i think with that it is time to get to johnny tsunami with will defreeze all right joining me today live from his studio it is will defreeze the co-host of circling back and host of sunday scaries podcast will 
Thank you so much for joining Big Screen Sports again. As always, it's great to be here, Kyle. I thank you for coming to my studio. I Thank you for inviting me. I'm happy that, that you're here celebrating DCOM December with me. Uh, but before we talk Johnny Tsunami, tell me where tell the folks where they can follow you and where they can see your podcasts. You can follow me at Will DeFreeze across all social media. You can also find uh, Circling Back in the Sunday Scaries podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever podcasts are found. Yeah, all, all those normal fun places. But uh, yeah. You guys have heard Will in the past on this podcast. We did Miracle. We did something else, didn't we? And Mighty Ducks Mighty 2. Ducks, or no, Mighty, Mighty Ducks, Ducks 1. Mighty Ducks 1, yeah. So all, gone straight up hockey. Mm-hmm. But uh, today we're doing surfing and snowboarding. We're talking about Johnny Tsunami. Johnny Tsunami is the 1999 DCOM surfing movie. A young surfer from Hawaii must adapt to new challenges when his father's job forces the family to move to Vermont. It starred Brandon Baker, Lee Thompson Young, Carrie... Hiroyuki Tagawa and Yuji Okumoto. I am very, very sorry for those pronunciations, uh, but they're w- tough. I looked, yeah. I looked at the uh, Wikipedia page before we sat down, and I was like, "Oh, okay, not gonna be saying their names." Yeah, it felt like it would have been remiss to not mention them, mm-hmm. and they, luckily they have much simpler names in the movie, but yes. uh, they they deserve to be to be shouted out. Before we get into the movie, Will, what makes a good decom sports movie? Because it's it's a different animal than a normal sports movie. I think, I don't know. I don't think you're watching them for the actual sports. So as long as there's just some absurdity happening, I mean, we'll get more to it. But like the skiing and snowboarding scenes, it looked like they were uh, 30-year-old men skiing and yeah. snowboarding as opposed to like, I don't know the middle school or high schoolers that they were supposed to be a couple stunt doubles. Yeah. Just a few in this movie. And that, you know, that's, I don't care as long as it's entertaining. Yeah. And well, I brought you in because, uh, you're, you're Michigan man. Mm-hmm. You have, you're noted for your experience on the slopes. I can ski. Yeah. You, you frequently bicker with one of your podcast co-hosts on who's the better skier. So I, I needed someone with, with the confidence in their skiing ability to come talk this movie, with their snow snow sports ability. It's a good thing that you had me on instead of him because there's no way he would know what's authentic and what's not in this. I'm sorry. There's, <sighs> just, is, not, there's just not any possible way that Dylan would know. That is, that is shade to Mr. Dylan Shivery. Uh, Will, how big a DCOM fan are you? I thought I was a much bigger one until I looked up every single one. And the, the amount that I have not only not seen, like that I haven't even heard of, is shocking. That being said, I feel like from, I, as, as I look at the list now, Brink was the first one that I watched. That was 1998. I had a good stretch through about 2002 almost, where I'd see all the big ones. That's four solid years. That's good. I think of the last one that I got really into was probably the Even Stevens movie. Okay. And after that, I kind of fell off. All of them, like, I didn't need to see all the Xenon sequels and things like that. But if, the, if it was a big one on Disney Channel, I was pretty much seeing it. I was a big Disney Channel guy. So when I mentioned that I was going to be doing DCOM December, you specifically said, I want to do Johnny Tsunami. So is this a Hall of Fame all-star starter or, or bench warmer DCOM movie for you? It's, it's, for me, it's not even a Hall of Fame one. It's like the Michael Jordan goat DCOM movie. For really? Me. It's, it's, <laughs> I've said in the past that it's 1A, 1B with Brink. But after rewatching Johnny Tsunami this time, it's solidified that, no, it is my personal favorite. Okay, but that's without doing a Brink rewatch as an adult. I will do after after this podcast is done. I guarantee that within the next week, I will be doing a Brink rewatch. We're in the age of Disney Plus, so they're they're all at our fingertips. Um, as someone who's had to watch a lot of DCOM movies in a, in a short amount of time, and really the the classics, I think we're we're playing the hits for DCOM December. This one is an all star for me. Uh, obviously, releasing this episode the same week that we talked Luck of the Irish. I think Luck of the Irish is a hall of famer. And as I, as I say that though, I feel like there can't be there. There has to be more than one hall of famer. So Johnny tsunami might be a hall of famer, but it's like Jack Morris is a hall of famer in the same way (laughs) that Sandy Koufax is a hall of famer. So I think it's kind of like that. Like this movie was, was fine. It was a fun watch for a DCOM. It's good. It just, I, uh, I'm holding luck of the Irish is the bar to me now. For me, it's also it also probably struck a chord with me when I was that age because not only was I really into skiing and snowboarding, I did I actually quit skiing to snowboard for a little bit, and I'm not sure this movie might have affected my judgment there. Okay, that's um, fair. But at the same time, I was really enthralled by surfing, 
it was something that we obviously didn't do in Michigan. You can surf in Michigan, but I'm not going to do that at a young age. But I really thought surfing was cool. And so I'd always make my mom buy me like surfer mag and stuff like that. And so I think just those two worlds colliding, it was just a perfect storm for me as an 11-year-old just wanting to shred. And in that, this time period, coming out in 99 is when extreme sports of all forms started to come around. Um, when we covered Brink, we talked about how Brink might be the peak for rollerblading. Mm-hmm. But everything else, um, this is when obviously skateboarding got big. Um, surfing came into the lexicon. I think the game Trans World Surf came out a couple years after this. And Kelly then, like, Slater's Pro Surfer probably came out at a similar time yeah, as well. Yeah, and it's so it, it was it was a time when extreme sports and the X Games and stuff were coming on strong. The Winter X Games. So the movie was was very timely, mm-hmm. uh, and it was very, it was what was cool. Um, and as someone who skied and s- has snowboarded, uh, I've got to ask just a question about the general plot of the movie. The, the end of the movie. We're going to jump all the way to the end. Is it realistic that a snowboarder could beat a skier down the mountain? No, I didn't. I didn't think because they have uh, they have the speed skiing Olympic thing like through the gates, which is very fun to watch in the Winter Olympics. They don't do that for snowboarding. It's mostly about the tricks. I think they they might not do it anymore. They, at one point, they did do uh, downhill snowboarding, like gates. And that is something that people do, and they are fast. But in this situation, it's it's literally impossible for Johnny Tsunami to win that. So is do you think uh, if, if we're just taking this as a realistic thing, as if it actually happened, does that mean Brett just sucks at skiing? Maybe. I think that's it, perhaps. That's how you'd have to make His it. His stunt double is pretty legit, though. I think all the stunt doubles, we'll talk about that. I yeah. think there's a lot of good, good stunt work. Um, I, have a, I have one more opening question for you. At the end of the movie, Johnny turns down going back to Hawaii for the rest of the school year. They don't say forever. He says, oh, I'll miss my parents. And, you know, basically it's like, oh, he likes it here. He's adapted to his surroundings. You know, but it wasn't forever. It was only they offer him to go back to Hawaii, live with his chill ass granddad for the rest of the year. His best friend has just moved. Yeah. How quickly do you think he regrets that decision? And is like, you know what? Maybe actually I might go down to Hawaii for the rest of the school. I mean, once the luau's over, he's like, oh, shit, my friend's moving literally today. Yeah. And uh, the party's over. My grandpa's going to leave. He's going to immediately regret this. My some my my kind of now girlfriend kind of sucks which we'll get into. So uh, there's no, there's no reason to stay. No. And like, and also like the snow's not going to stay around forever. So he's about to enter that time that any, uh, anyone that has grown up in like a ski skiing community, they know that the worst time is spring because all the snow gets worse. Uh, Like it gets warmer outside. The snow starts declining. Things start to get muddy and gross. And like the transition from that to summer is just like the most depressing time. Because you can't go out and ski, it's too shitty outside to do anything else, and you're just kind of stuck. He's gonna be he's gonna be hating his life. He's gonna have a tough time. Uh, there's not much trivia for this movie. Uh, there there hasn't been for most of these decoms. Um, I'm not gonna say the actor the uh, the actor who played Grandpa Johnny Tsunami is only nine years older than uh, than than Pete Capo Capo. I already told I told you I'm gonna mess up. It's hard mess up Capahala. Pete Capahala? So he's only three years older? No, nine years older. Oh, no, okay, nine, still. Nine years older. Still. still. Yeah. And then uh, I just thought this tri- this trivia fact was... So in the IMDb trivia, it says both actors, the the older Johnny Tsunami and his son, It's <laughs> the fact was they're both of Asian descent. Oh, r- yeah, really? Oh, who would have thought? <laughs> really? I, yeah. can't, I can't believe it. There's a lot of racial tension in this movie. A little bit. A little bit. Brett, uh, Brett has some deep-seated beliefs. Yeah, you don't think of Vermont when you think of that stuff. The headmaster, the the headmaster was tough too. I mean, I I don't he didn't make any like precise proclamations, but you could just tell like you know he's kind of stuck in this old fashioned way. There was very much a you are you're you're different yeah. than us. Yeah, we of, don't like different. We people. don't like different. Let's get into the best scenes. Uh, we'll you know we'll we'll talk about them. the The first surf competition with Grandpa watching gives us an indication at Johnny's skill. And his grandpa just being a chill, in shape old dude. Unbelievable shape on this just guy. Fantastic. I mean, I'm I'm 28 years old. I'm nowhere near in that good of shape. Like surfing, I guess, does you well. Oh, I mean, have you ever seen a surfer that's not in like impeccable shape? That's true. There's not like dad bod surfer guy. Like every every 
I've always said that like, like if you're a professional surfer, like you're the hottest person because you're tan, your skin's incredible because you're just falling into salt water, which like cures everything. Yeah. And you have like this like bleach blonde hair. I mean, they didn't have it, but like you just have, you have it all and you got like, you're in shape. It's just perfect. Yeah. Laird Hamilton, the pro surfer is probably one of the most handsome dudes on the planet. And he's, yeah. And he's an insane shape. Yeah. I mean, ring the bell, Micah. I listened to his Joe Rogan and I was like, yeah, this guy's optimized as hell right now. <laughs> Super optimized. Uh, yeah, there's that scene. There's uh, Sam teaching Johnny how to snowboard that montage. Johnny's just eating shit all over the place. Mm-hmm. Uh, just your your classic training montage. You got to have it in a movie where a new sport, it's like uh, in Cool Runnings, the, the montage of them learning how to... Yeah. Uh, learning how to bobsled. It's, they, yeah, it's classic. Got to have that. They develop that chemistry very quickly. Uh, the scene when Emily falls down the mountain and Johnny, you know, snowboards down to get the uh, the park ranger or whatever the ski patrol. Yep. To save him, and Sam and Emily are just hanging there. I actually watched that twice because I don't know if you found this funny, but I was I was laughing out loud when uh, Sam falls. Because it's not like it's not like he makes a motion and falls. All of a sudden, the ground beneath him just drops out, and he's gone. <laughs> he's nowhere to be found. <laughs> it was a it's it's a classic. Uh, it's like a it's like an Indiana Jones moment. Like the person next to Indiana Jones disappears through a trap door. Yeah. It was kind of like that. It's like he didn't even he didn't even make like a motion to go help or anything. All of a sudden, it's just like ice breaks, and he's just done. Hey, we need uh, we need everything to be up to Johnny. How do we get rid of Sam? Yeah, just just break the ice. Uh, Sam giving Johnny the, the hat into the snowboarding montage with the, the nineties alt rock song, Mm -hmm. which is just nothing but stunt doubles shredding. Yep. What do you call those hats that Sam was wearing there? I mean, they're the most nineties thing ever. We're going to get into the fits, but I have many thoughts on these. So yeah, but I believe the brand that made it was called mental. They were very, it was, when I saw that, that took me back to the nineties. My parents gave me one of those hats when I was uh, a young man and I I didn't love it. I think, I think I actually told them like, Hey, I'm probably not going to wear this. It wasn't one of those ones, but mental made several other hats that were kind of zany that had like spikes coming out of the top or like the long Mm. ones that went down to your butt. Like they just made like the zany hats Mm. and that wasn't really a, uh, Having one of those on did not solidify you as the badass of the mountain like like they made it sound like in this. You yeah, don't well, earn your stripes by getting that hat. Sam is also kind of like arguably the coolest guy in the movie, like Lee Thompson Young, RIP, but it was like seems fairly cool and even he can't really pull off that hat. No. It's it having him wear that like the entire movie is just ridiculous. Not great. Not what you're looking for. Um there's uh the scene where Johnny and Sam just plane hop in a, in a cargo in some sort of army cargo plane. And then uh, that, that goes into the phone call between Johnny Tsunami and his son, the, the older Johnny Tsunami, which is starts getting you into the theme of the movie is about fathers and sons finding common ground. Very, very deep. Uh, and that goes into the scene. Uh, Pete and Johnny's front porch, heart to heart, the old, old Johnny. I'm going to just gonna, old Johnny and Pete. Yeah. Uh, their their front porch heart to heart where they kind of learn. Do we just want to call Young Johnny Pono the entire time? We can do that. <laughs> <Pono>. <laughs> he he loves old Johnny loves to to call Young Johnny Pono. My my buddy who I watched this with growing up, he he was my best friend. He is my best friend, and we uh we would always just that was kind of our call. Like hey Pono, Pono, and people were probably just like, why are these guys saying this all the time? But we would just we would just scream that for no reason. Yeah. There's uh then there's the scene where old Johnny, young Johnny snowboard together, mm-hmm. where we realize that old Johnny just knows how to snowboard. Just shreds. Shreds it. He's killing it. Again, the stunt double work is just incredible. I like to think the only person who didn't use a stunt double was old Johnny. I would love, nothing would make me happier than to learn that. I didn't realize how established of an actor he actually was. He has a long long imdb he does and i did not realize that a part of me was hoping that he was just a professional surfer that they convinced to do the movie and i was really bummed when i found out that he wasn't actually a pro surfer that is that is tragic uh final nominee for best scene for me is obviously the final race between johnny and brett Mm -hmm. which i mean it's that's the the thing with picking best scene in a sports movie a lot of the time you've got the You've just got the the final game, the final race, the final match really carries a lot of weight. I mean, the movie that we we covered last or the movie that we covered first, Miracle, 
it all builds up to one 30 minute long. Oh, maybe maybe one of the best sports final scenes of all time. Probably the best. So good. Probably the best final scene. <laughs> but if, if we're picking best scene in Johnny Tsunami, what is your pick? So uh, this isn't one of my, this isn't not, not my best scene, but one of them that you didn't include was when they were all snowboarding together on the sky side of the mountain. Mm-hmm. And then they get in the fight with Sam. I really oh, enjoyed yeah. that for some reason because it was such a good move by Sam, but also a punk move for him to just push Johnny over on the snowboard. You mean Brett? Yeah, Brett. I'm sorry, Brett. Brett. When Brett pushes Johnny over on the snowboard, because that's 100% what you do in that situation. Like if his feet are strapped in, it's so easy just to like tip him over. The best part about that scene is Sam telling Brett's like homeboy, whose name I just, I don't know, but basically like, I don't know the exact quote. He's basically telling him like, you don't want the smoke. Yeah, exactly. That that was the best part of that scene. It's really enjoyable. My favorite scene though is is the training scene. I love a good training montage. I don't know why. It's just a it's a scene that was very familiar because I feel like a lot of times when I was rewatching this movie, that might have been one of the final scenes that I watched before I like went to commercial and I changed the channel or something. And so I feel like I've seen that scene a million times. Yeah, it's uh, it's a very it's a very often done sports movie trope, mm-hmm. but when done well, it's really enjoyable to watch. Yeah, yeah, and I will say the falls that he took are accurate. Like those are the falls that you take when you're learning to snowboard. It looks like even like it looks like he eats a lot of snow in this movie. Like I even the actor himself, it looks like he had a lot of tough falls. I mean, I'd imagine I learned to snowboard at a later age than most people, I guess. I mean, I think I was probably 14, which is not too late to learn snowboarding, but it was definitely mm-hmm. later. So I was more grown up than I would have been had I done it at like eight. And the falls that you take learning to snowboard are so much harsher than the falls that you take when you're learning to ski. And so I was not jealous of that at all. It, it, would, it brought back painful memories of like catching an edge and just like flipping over. And before you know it, you're on the ground in pain. It looks it looked a little painful. Uh, I'm going to ha- I'm a sucker for the, the final race. It makes sense. I think it's that makes sense. It, it's exciting. I love watching a villain get their comeuppance and just like. And Brink, my my guest for Brink, Meredith Kane, pointed out something awesome in that at the end of Brink, there is no redemption for for Val. No. Everyone thinks he everyone's just like, dude, you're an asshole. Get out of here. <laughs> and he and he walks away. There's no redemption. There's no like, oh, he and Brink respect each other now. And that's the same thing. Brett kind of just pieces out after this. Yeah. And everyone's just like, and it's surprising because you think Disney would be the ones to do something like that. Kind of like the karate kid ending where suddenly Johnny Lawrence has gone from sociopath to handing Daniel LaRusso the trophy and being like, I respect you or whatever he says. None of that. I love watching Brett just walk away completely defeated. He lost his girl, lost his mountain. You love to see it. He's done. Love to see it. Um, Let's take a quick break. Let's hear from our sponsors and we'll get back to the most and least authentic parts of this movie. Hey guys, this is Brianna Rust at Breezy Clee. And this is Brittany Mollis at Bird's Eye View. If you're a sports fan, we invite you to check out our show on the Blue Wire Network. That's what B said, a Cleveland sports podcast. Each Wednesday, Bree and I will break down some of the hottest trending topics in the sports world with a special focus on Cleveland. We'll offer unique perspectives about our beloved Browns, Cavs, and Indians. We hope you join us on this wild ride. Okay, Will. Obviously, with a a decom movie, you know this podcast focuses on authenticity, love realism. But with it, with a decom sports movie, there's not going to be quite as much. It's not like we're watching something like Major League or Miracle. Yeah. What was the most authentic or realistic thing you pulled out of this movie? You mentioned that you, you do have more than one thing. What what was the most for you? The most authentic thing was the fact that the second they moved to Vermont, they bought a Subaru. <laughs> like. <laughs> Like I, I saw that and I was like, you know, that actually makes a lot of sense. Whoever was in charge of getting a vehicle for this, they were like, hey, we're in Vermont. Got to get a Subaru wagon. And like that's people think it's crazy that I grew up driving a Subaru. Like my sister got one when she turned 16. I inherited it when I turned 16 and all my friends drove Subarus. That's what you drive in a town where there's a lot of snow because the Subarus last forever. They handle snow like a badass and they're just solid cars to have. And so like. People are like, I mean, they make fun of you and they think that you're just like a loser if you're driving a Subaru. It, no, it, it makes sense in this case. And they crushed it. Folks, I would just like to point out that in just this week of podcast, I found someone who knew Irish dancing 
for Luck of the Irish, and I found someone who knew that you needed to that the driving a Subaru in a, a northern mountain town was common. Yeah. So don't don't think we're not getting experts for guests here. No, that I mean, is that's a hell of a uh, that's a hell of a pickup. For most realistic for me, um, kids struggle watching kids struggle with having to move in new surroundings and the prospect of moving. I moved from Virginia to Texas when I was about uh, Johnny's age. Yeah. And that was all very relatable to me. See, I never had to do that. And I, I, I'm not jealous of you at all. And not, it, it wasn't ideal. I was not happy. Yeah, I can imagine. Like, I mean, have you seen Up? I have seen Up. Up pretty much makes me cry just at the idea of moving and taking someone away from like all their friends. Yeah. Like I, I can't watch that movie without crying numerous times. Wait, you know, you're thinking of uh you're thinking of Inside Out. Sorry, Inside Out. Inside I mix those two up, up for up some also, reason. Up also makes people cry, but for different reasons. Different reasons. Yeah. Different inside reasons. out. Inside out. I'm sorry. Yes. Inside out, I will cry numerous times. Inside and it's because is, of the move. And it's just like devastating. Inside out is heavy. Uh on this uh this old website, do you remember of postgradproblems.com? Yes. I, I'm familiar with that website. I, I wrote yeah. about the uh the five saddest uh Pixar moments and there's a moment from inside Inside Out. Very sad movie. Inside Out is just heart-wrenching. It's, but it's great. It's, it's one of my it's, favorite Pixar it's so movies. Good. It's so good. But just like in Johnny Tsunami, there is that theme of it is tough for kids to move, mm-hmm. no matter what the scenario. And this movie actually displayed... It was a very good example of it. Yeah. Of Johnny struggling to fit in with different cultures, fit in at school. Uh, so I, I found that realistic. I found that they... They weren't too over the top with that. Um, maybe the bullying aspect, like the right off the bat, like we don't like you. Yeah, that was a that might have been a little excessive because one thing about being the new guy that's cool is you're mysterious. You're kind of like James Bond. You could be anyone for a week. You might be the coolest guy in the world, and then yeah. people find out you're a fucking loser. Coming from Hawaii, yeah. Oh yeah, you'd think that he had it made. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. That kind of rolls into my to my also, least. He's, he's like a pro surfer. Yeah, that kind of rolls into my least. If you come from Hawaii and you like you have a surfing magazine with yourself in it, you're at least gonna be a matter of intrigue and people thinking. Like Brett would have been looking like, wait a minute, we might need to add this guy into the squad. There would have been more vetting. Yes. I think. Yeah, I think like Brett obviously he smelled an alpha. Mm-hmm. Smelled an alpha, didn't like it. But he at least would have been been vetting and said, "Is this a worthy rival? Do can I make him into part of my one of my minions?" There wouldn't have been, I think, the instant hate unless, kind of like you meant, unless Brett's just a straight up racist. Well, I think Brett's just an asshole in general. He's so, not a not a nice guy. Yeah, but yeah, like coming yeah with his resume and stuff, he's got all the attributes to be the cool kid, cool new kid. Yeah, yeah, I think he would have. I think he would have had a little more success than he did because it's not as though. He's a wallflower. He's definitely an outgoing guy. He's not afraid to talk to people. I think, I think things would have been a little better for Johnny. He kind of has swag too, like does, walking he, in he with like the new uniform and stuff, and just like he doesn't really give a shit. And that I was like, dude, yeah, Johnny's he's cool. Johnny swings some dick. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's uh, but you mentioned you had a couple more like notable, realistic, actual realistic parts. Yes, um, the ski equipment is actually very legit for that time period. Good to know because I would have been. I would have had no clue. This all the skies wearing it's a brand called Spider, spelled with a Y. It, it's what if you were if you were a generic white dude who skis and you wanted like the most expensive stuff, you were getting spider stuff. It was just what you had. Uh all the skis that they had and the snowboards, I'm not really as well versed in the snowboards from that period as I am with the skis, but all the skis that people were using, it was like, yes, that is actually a nice pair of skis for that time period. It makes sense. Uh but pretty much everything they wore made sense. The only issue with that was that Johnny was wearing way too few layers the entire time he was snowboarding. Like, Especially for a guy from a warm weather climate. Yes. There's no reason that he would dre- like underdress like that. You need to be more bundled up. I bought a new winter jacket today and like I'm pretty good in the cold and I I can't fathom wearing what he was wearing in that. It he, just makes no sense. Johnny would have been a guy wearing like one of those ski masks that like bank robbers wear. Exactly. Exactly. Um, well, that kind of rolls into a question I had for you though. When Johnny and Sam walk into the snowboard shop and the guy some somehow and the Vermont snowboarder dude is in awe of, of Johnny tsunami of Johnny's grandpa. He says he's going to hook him up. How much, how financially did he get hooked up? 
at least two grand. You've got to worship a guy. Yeah. Yeah. Like, at least two grand. Worship a guy. Because a snowboard is going to cost you like $600. Bindings are going to cost you like 250 New boots are going to cost you like 250 And then like nice snow pants, like Volcom jacket and all that stuff. It's going to cost you a lot of money. The, it, it, yeah, it's a, it's a lot. It, and one of the least fa- or least authentic things, which has to do with the equipment, is that they wore sunglasses the entire movie. And we'll, I, I think we'll we'll touch on those with the wildest fits. But those yes. were some interesting sunglasses. No one wear like, like no one wears sunglasses unless it's an unseasonably warm day, or you just don't own goggles. And I'm sorry, ninety five percent of people wear goggles. And There's go- just goggles no way that you, sick. Yeah, goggles are awesome. Not only are they functional, they keep your face warm if they're big and cushiony because they take so much of your face and they have the foam lining around it. It makes it so much warmer. So you'd have to be an idiot to wear like sunglasses on a cool day. So I think of sunglasses like skiers wearing sunglasses. I think of it as a very like Aspeny rich person kind of thing to do. Yeah. But I'm wondering if it was also a decision by the filmmakers of like, we can't identify these individual child actors that they're all wearing goggles. So yes. we need to give them these yellow tinted glass, all the same pair. A hundred percent. And like, there's only two scenes where main characters wear goggles or two scenes that I, uh, that I noticed. And it, the characters that did it were Sam he had a pair of goggles in one scene that he ended up like, of course he did. He immediately cool brings them up. Yeah. He's tight. And another tight person, uh, old Johnny, he's wearing them when he shows that he can shred. Of and course, so, of course, old Johnny, the two like chillest, coolest characters. Yeah. That, that makes a lot of sense. But yeah, when I saw the guy say that he's going to hook Johnny up with all this free snowboard gear, I was like, you like that. That's a, that's a hefty financial invest. I, it would have made a little more sense to me if he's like, you know what? We got some, like a used, a real nice used board. Well, I'll get you some equipment. He's like, whatever you want, man. No, that's crazy. Johnny, that would be like if Joe Maurer's grandson walked into whatever shop <laughs> I was running. And I was like, I mean, I can give you like a couple hundred bucks worth of shit because yeah. I love your grandpa, but I'm I, not going to kill our margins for the month because you're some guy's grandson. Yeah. I've, got a, I've got a mortgage, my guy. Yeah. What am I going to do? You have anything else that was, re- that was super realistic? Um, the only other thing that was kind of realistic is that there kind of has always been a rivalry between snowboarders and skiers. And there aren't that many places these days that do it, but there are still places that do not allow snowboarders. Is it a, is that like a safety thing or like a, like how kind of like a country club ish? I think it's more country club ish thing. I, I do think that, uh, how can I say this? Because I will say that Johnny almost kills like forty-seven people. That's true. As, as uh, well, actually, that happens when he get he's skiing. He almost kills like forty-seven people. But you could imagine if a snowboarder was doing the same thing. Skiers are very quick to point at snowboarders when they get in like a collision or something. Like they are very quick to blame a snowboarder, even though like you're kind of putting yourself out there no matter what. And so there is kind of always that like that rivalry. It's not like this, but there are places that don't allow snowboarders still. And that's very weird. I forget. I was talking to somebody the other day and he was like, yeah, I'm not going to go there because they don't allow snowboarders. Why would I ever go there? And I was like, yeah, you shouldn't. That's kind of wild to me. Yeah. I mean, I didn't, didn't grow up on the mountain, but that's still, that's a little wild to me. Yeah. Let's, let's roll into what worked about this movie. Just kind of, you know, any realistic stuff, but also just stuff we enjoyed. Um, right off the bat for me, Brandon Baker and Lee Thompson Young, Johnny and Sam, good duo. Great duo. Good duo. Great duo. Like they, you, they actually feel like friends. They probably were friends. Like love they were, a good duo. They were in that decom universe for a long time, and you think that like they probably were friends off camera. Yeah, not to not to make this too sad, but I was looking up Brandon Baker on Instagram last night because I was seeing if maybe he'd be available to to interview. Mm-hmm. Uh, TBD on that one, folks. <laughs> and uh, but he he posted something a very emotional post after Lee Thompson Young passed away. Oh yeah. So that that hurts to see. But in this movie, they have. DCOM is very good about the main character and make sure giving them a good sidekick and luck of the Irish. Kyle has Russell and Brink. Brink has Peter just like eating his ass the whole movie, mm-hmm. just like worshiping him. This was a very much a duo, like an even power duo. Like you didn't see Sam as Johnny's assistant. Like even Sam was actually the guy Johnny looked up to for most of the movie. Yeah. So it was a, it was a really good dynamic. They were, I mean, they had clearly had good chemistry, uh, it, it makes this movie very watchable. Yeah. What else did you have that worked for you with this one? I thought that like, they kind of nailed the whole like prep school feel. Mm-hmm. Like 
the the uniforms, just the kind of demeanor of everybody. The headmaster. Yeah, like everything kind of made sense. And it was like, you know what? In a northeastern place, they are, they do have these prep schools where everyone's kind of just, you know, wearing the same uniform, learning this straight-laced bookwork, stuff like that. It all made sense. And even like the ski area, it all looked very authentic. And they did a good job of actually making it feel like that. They just didn't do a good job with like the lingo and things like that. Didn't really make sense. They... I mean, we have a, a what didn't work section for a reason, but we'll we'll talk about the lingo. There's some some tough lingo stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, this one is another classic sports dad trope, and it's after doing decom December, it's very much a decom December theme. Uh, the classic sports dad who doesn't understand their child. They, they did a really good job of making the dad hateable. Yeah, happens in Brink, happens in this movie, uh, happens kind of in double teamed, unlikable dad. Um, you know, he, he, they definitely put the work in to be like this, this guy is so out of touch and he doesn't like fun and he doesn't understand when he pulls up the list of surfers that are like, he pulls up the pro surfing salaries and like, wow, only 35, $34,000 can't raid, can't, you know, support a family on that. Like Kelly Slater and Laird Hamilton were things back then. Like famous oh, yeah. surfers were things. Yeah. I mean, they were, they're, they're some of the greatest of all time. So they're going to have a different circumstance, but like people make it as pro surfers. They've got like a whole circuit and tour. It's not like a, I don't think it's like a sport where only like three people make money. I think you can make an honest living doing it. Yeah. His dad, Pete was a, uh, he was a bummer, but it is a really good movie about fathers and sons learning how to relate with one another. Um, it's got that good theme. It's, it doesn't go too deep into it. It's not too intense, but it, it is a good story about finding common ground and I think the me- the message of they they talk about it when they're in that when old Johnny and Peter talking in that front porch chat and kind of about just just letting their kids do what makes them happy and and find their own way and stuff and I and talking about how they were so different and that's a thing fathers and sons and parents and you know parents and children in general deal with every day that was something that worked it was a good theme they yeah. didn't overdo it. Uh, it was, it was still a little Disney, but it wasn't, you know, too, well, too sappy or anything. It was good. Something I was shocked by is that they didn't overdo the eccentricity of old Johnny. Yes. Cause they could have made him like they a could, caricature. They could have made him a total wild card, like space cadet, whatever they made him into who someone who came off as a knowledgeable older man mm. who was just more of a free spirit and not this coder like his dad. Yeah. Which by the way, like great career choice for the dad. He's oh, probably yeah. killing it today. Okay. Let's, t- I, I've got something that works that I have to talk about the, their house in Hawaii was so dope. <laughs> beachside, it was really nice. I mean, it's beachside. Johnny can literally see the water from his bedroom. Dream. I mean, and it's a lovely house. It was probably pretty new. Mm-hmm. And then the Vermont house, sick. Like yeah. living in a Vermont mountain town. Yeah. He's doing really well for himself. Yeah. And like a coding at that time, like there probably weren't that many coders. Like oh. now he's probably he's probably got like a multi-million dollar company with a bunch of people under him just pushing, pushing. He, he probably just got, he probably invested in WeWork and just got, just got, just shelled. got, got screwed. But, uh, th- yeah, that the scenery in the movie is very, you, I can't think of two better locales for a Disney movie. Yeah. It was perfect. Better, more, more scenic than something like Brink. Mm-hmm. I think, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, doing, doing very well. Um, I could have used more snowboard scenes that we talked about with the stunt doubles. Just Kate, it seems like I love watching that in the Winter Olympics, just like watching guys snowboard and oh, stuff. Yeah. I think it's fun. And I could have just, I could have had like 10 more minutes of clear stunt double scenes, but the ones we got are pretty, they're pretty, pretty good. good. Yeah. I enjoy them. I'm a sucker for pretty much like anything skiing and snowboarding on TV. I will just like sit down and watch it. Cause even, if, even if you're not like intently watching, it's good. It's good background. Mm-hmm. It's still and fun to the watch. The sounds, mm-hmm. the sounds are very like, the a, they're kind of like ASMR. Mm-hmm. Very good. It's like same, like watching hockey. We, yeah. we went to a hockey game last week and it's very much the same thing. Anything with ice sports yes. are good. Did you have anything else that worked for you about this movie? Not really. That That's kind of the extent. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, a lot worked. I think they, they did a good job of making, the likable people likable and the hateable people hateable. Mm-hmm. Like I did not like Peter. I did not like Brett and you're not supposed to. Um, yeah. I thought everybody, like everybody else they portrayed as being very likable or at least relatable. And so like for a Disney channel movie, pretty good. Yeah. It functioned well. Yeah. Let's get into the biggest, uh, probably the most competitive category. 
What's the wildest fit or hairstyle choice in this movie? I have a couple nominees. I'm sure I'd imagine you're going to have a couple more. Uh, Brett and Co.'s like matching yellow and blue ski jackets. They're all wearing it. It's like they're part of a team, but they're not part of a team. Yeah. Like they're just like part of a squad. Like, hey, we're all going to the ski shop. We're all getting the same jacket. They're not. They're not on a ski team because if they were, they wouldn't be doing what they're doing. Like they'd be practicing. They'd be running gates like they'd be they'd be. They wouldn't be leisurely skiing. Yeah. And so to all wear the same jacket is absolutely insane. It's a it's a weird fit. And then um, also the, yellow. Yeah. Well, and then yellow matching them with the yellow tinted glasses that everyone wore on the mountain. The glasses were just terrible. No one is wearing that tough, kind of those kind of glasses. Tough look. Um, and then I think my favorite was Johnny's first day trying his uniform, wearing the, the Hawaiian shirt with the tie. It felt like Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. My fiance will murder me for saying this, but I really would love to see someone show up in my wedding dress like that. That'd be great. That would be amazing. That'd be awesome. I mean, I, that's a good Halloween costume. Oh, oh, Johnny Tsunami would yeah. be as with the Hawaiian shirt and the tie. Yeah. Um, that's what I had for, did you know, oh, and the, uh, the hat, the, the snowboarding, the hat, the Sam's, mental hat, the mental hat that we already discussed. The, I I, I had on my bullet points here, the mental dreadlock hats are by far the worst. Not like no one was cool for wearing those. No one. People Johnny's thought they hair, were cool. Johnny's hairstyle too. Yeah. Johnny's hairstyle was tough. If this movie was made now, I think he would have been, would have been better. It made him look kind of young. It just, what it didn't look cool. He looked younger than like everyone he was interacting with. He did. He looked younger. I noted that he looked younger than everyone in his class. Yeah. He was like the short kid. He just kind of looked more baby faced. Like Brett was hit. He hit puberty already. That's oh, probably yeah. why he was an alpha. That's true. That's and a good point. Sam already had like a deep voice. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it didn't really totally make sense on that front. Yeah. Did you have anything else that was a wild fit? Uh, this isn't wild in the sense that it, it's something that he wore, but it was wild in the sense that they somehow like, accidentally maybe got it right grandpa was wearing ugg boots when he arrived in vermont i did not notice that he's wearing them in a scene i don't know if you saw it when he like landed or whatever but you saw it in a scene uh where they're talking afterward and one ugg boots are really impractical for wet weather because they're suede on the outside and you can put you can put stuff on them to make them not stain but they're getting stained and so they're not very smart that being said ugg boots started with surfers i think Surfers would wear them after surfing and like Ugg boots kind of started there. So it kind of actually makes sense that he would have Ugg boots. That is wild. And the more I thought about it, I was like, did they, did they consciously do this? Did they accidentally get it right? Like what's going on? Is Johnny Tsunami the reason we have Ugg boots? It makes you wonder. The reason they blew up. That is, that is crazy. That's the only other two fit things that I had were, or no, the only other one that I had, and this is more of a compliment than something outrageous, was that the mom only wore turtleneck sweaters in Vermont and she, she, did. she crushed them. She did. She had one white one that was like, I gasped when I saw it. <laughs> Shout, shouts to the mom. She, yeah. did, uh, she did a good work. She was a real one in this movie too. She was a real when one. When the headmaster was talking, she was just like, is, is this guy serious? Like... Is this, is this guy he, racist? Yeah, he doesn't want my kid to like explore like other things besides books and stuff. Like, come on, tough. You can't do that to Johnny. Yeah, she was, she was, she was the goat. What uh, what didn't work for you in this one? Well, first and foremost, the two kids traveling to Hawaii together without their parents. Uh, one, how did they get the money to buy those tickets? Because as someone, no, they snuck on a cargo ship, which is even more. Okay, yeah. I missed that. I no, I it's missed even that. Even more implausible. Like, did they like that? Would be a situation where they like. They hid themselves out in the cargo hold and they're like, oh, we're being sneaky. And then they realized like it wasn't pressurized in there or something and they died. That would be a tragedy. What kind of cargo ship is like going from Vermont to Hawaii in a timely fashion? Yeah, there's a lot. I got a lot of questions about them getting off the island. Also, when they finally got to the island, why did they bring all of their luggage on the beach with them? A lot of sand in those wheels. Like that just sounds miserable. Just ditch your luggage somewhere. Johnny, you know the you know the lay of the land. Go to your grandpa's house and ditch the luggage, then go to the beach and find him. How but it, why are you walking on the beach? There's like a road adjacent to the beach, I'm sure. It's like the shit it's like they literally bailed out of the plane and into the water. And, yeah. Like why are you why are you walking on the beach? It doesn't yeah, it makes no sense. It's it is a really, really tough it's probably the most implausible thing. The thing that it's nothing that this movie did wrong. It's nothing that it tried to do. It's nothing intentional. Uh, Johnny's grandpa looks like Tommy Wiseau. Yeah. Who is the, uh, he's famous for The Room, which was then spoofed by James Franco and the Disaster Artist. 
it kind of took me out of it every scene he was in. I can I can understand that when you when you notice something or it what takes me out of movies a lot is when I can't tell who somebody looks like, and I spend the entire time like just staring at them, not listening to them, just saying like, who does this actor look like? Where are they from? Where have I seen them before? It just completely takes me out of it. It and Tommy was so is so. He's so like notable and, and eccentric, and this guy, this character is kind of eccentric, and that it, uh, it was, it was, it was kind of tough for me. It was kind of tough to see. That's understandable. Yeah. Um, the one, the one big problem I think for me is that ninety percent of the dialogue in this movie is delivered like it's an SNL skit spoofing an after school special. Yeah. What's up, brah? There is a lot of. Uh, deliver a line and then <laughs> yeah. fake laugh after Crushed it. it. Crushed it. Oh, bruh. Bruh. There was one scene where like Johnny was walking in the school and he tried to give someone like a hang loose, but you could tell he didn't fully commit to the hang loose. Like he kind of took his hand out of his pocket, gave a quick one and then put his hand back in his pocket. And I was like, dude, how did they not make him redo that? You have to be a hundred percent in on the hang loose. Yeah. Like he, it was so like, he was scared to do it. It was unfortunate. What else did you have that didn't work or might not have been realistic? So after Johnny beats Brett, uh, they decide to throw a party at their house. Yeah. The party not only had a full tiki bar, but they had a pig roasting. And I just don't understand how they would have all the supplies for that just ready to go. I would say that's probably minimum week and a half planning. A lot. I mean, you know better than me how to how to plan like a kid party. Yeah, that that's... It's going to take a lot of planning. You just invited a bunch of strangers on a mountain over to your house. That's a red flag. That's not something you really want to do. Yeah. Uh, ease into it. Invite a couple. Hey, wow, you just beat Brett. How about you pick your three your three closest friends and we'll have just a little something. Just go back something. to the lodge and just see, yeah. know, buy a round of drinks for people or something. Yeah, you don't need to I throw a full-blown tiki party like Hawaiian-themed at your house. He got a little too energetic watching his son succeed because he's had... It was a rush of emotions for, for Pete. He, he got some clarity with his father about their relationship. He has this new appreciation for his son. He now realizes he can be proud of him for his how proficient he is in extreme sports. And he just he just went a little he let it get to him a little too much and then he goes party at our house and then he probably put his hands down like, oh, and shit. said oh f- I really fucked up yep. I really I I really shouldn't have invited all these people over I have a lot of coding to do uh, we have not entertained at this house before we probably should have done a soft open uh, it is yeah they um they got that party together way too quick like shockingly quick that's all I had though outside of the. Uh... What didn't work? I mean, like, there were several things that didn't work, but those were two things where I was just like, no, this is not happening. So I have a question about the scene where Emily falls down the the mountain and then Sam joins her. Mm-hmm. Johnny goes down, he gets ski patrol, they throw him the rope. Mm-hmm. Why not tie the rope to the snowmobile and have the snowmobile pull them up instead of having two guys pulling them up who could potentially slip on the ice or the ice? We've already seen the ice broke. Yes. The the ice already broke once. It, it knocked Sam down there. Why are they pulling? Just just hook it to the snowmobile and just drive and just pull her up. I feel like that is much more. I didn't think about that, but you're absolutely right. Makes it, and I just think that that's thing. what you would have done. I think that's what you would have done. Yeah. Also, when when Sam or yeah, when Sam starts falling down, he comes in real hot when she is like on the, when she's holding mm-hmm. on. He's coming in so hot, and they cut away from it. He was going to hit her snowboard and take them both way further down the mountain. Yeah, it definitely would have happened. Yes. Like uh, he was going way too fast toward her and it would have ended really poorly for both of them. Probably would have uh, put a damper on the movie. Yes. If that happened. Um, yeah, I don't. Besides that, though, you're right. There's not really. I mean, it's got all of its the, some some kind of like, you know, some corny decom stuff, but it's not really. It's nothing that's um, terrible. I mean, I mentioned earlier, it's really good that Brett got his comeuppance. Um, he's more annoying a villain than like a super nefarious decom villain like Val or Seamus from Luck of the Irish. Um, he does kind of try to push Johnny to his death uh, the, for his first time skiing, but he's yeah. more just kind of like a prick. Yeah. He's not really, um, you know, he's not really best on screen athlete and worst on screen athlete. I think all the athletes we saw were professionals. Yeah. I don't think there's any. I don't think there's any pick. It's like it's all stunt doubles. Y'all look great. I think if I think if we just had an athletic competition between everybody, Grandpa's winning. Oh yeah, uh, oh, so fit. 
Looks but so good. I, outside I would give of that, it to him. Yeah. I would give it to him. Grandpa Johnny Tsunami looked like a great athlete. He's the most in shape person in that entire movie. I'm just so je- I mean, he was probably in his 50s when they filmed it. I'm just so jealous. Yeah. The second he went on the screen, Sally was like, oh, I mean, he's he's way more in shape than I am. And she's like, I'm 30. I yeah. should be in be- way better shape. He, you could tell, let's get right into the Lenny Harris pinch hitter award for best supporting character. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to pronounce it the guy's name, but the guy, the the old man who played old Johnny, Mm -hmm. he's in shape. And he also, he was very believable as the Hawaii free spirit. Yeah. The Hawaii free spirit. Maybe not grandpa, very young grandpa. Yeah. But. Well, I thought it was kind of absurd when, uh, Johnny, I forget what scene it was, but Johnny goes back to his bedroom and he tries to call his grandpa and his grandpa's out on the beach. And then his dad walks in and he starts being like, it's like, oh, your grandpa didn't answer the phone. Maybe he's like on the other side of the island surfing or like fishing somewhere. And I'm like, uh, everything you're naming with a with a rude voice sounds actually really dope. Yeah, it's like, are you trying to make me think this guy is like even cooler? Yeah, I was like, no wonder he's calling his grandpa. His grandpa's doing awesome shit in Hawaii, and you're sitting behind a screen coding and like shitting on his dreams. Okay. Your grandpa's probably having a whole bunch of sex right now. Yeah, what he, a loser. Yeah, he's probably in Hawaii <laughs> surfing and eating fresh fish and just enjoying life. But he's at a really nice sushi place. Yeah. It's like you're what in Vermont. Bummer. Yeah. He's eating a Poke Bowl right now and, <laughs> and you suck. Um, the other nominees for Lenny Harris, I've got Lee Thompson Young as is Sam Sterling again, R.I.P. Uh, no pun intended, the guy's cool as ice. Um n- not much more you could say. He's a very enjoyable that was awesome. character. Kristen Storms is Emily. She was Xenon, girl of the 21st century, whatever. Mm-hmm. I, didn't, I didn't watch Xenon. Kind of a wet blanket, though. In very this movie. much. Very much. There yeah. is not. I remembered her as being more of an essential character. Um, I did, too. She's, she's just kind of, when she's on screen, she's not on screen a ton. And when she is, she's kind of a wet blanket. She's not as much of a bummer as Bonnie from Luck of the Irish, but she is a bummer. She is, she is a bummer. The only strong, like, female supporting character so far in decom december is gabriella from brink who is bad as hell yeah and was was probably my favorite character in that. Oh, i can't movie. wait to rewatch brink now it's good so and then um shouts to we already did mary page keller is melanie who was uh johnny's mom mm-hmm. great a real one turtlenecks sticking up for her son talking talking back to her husband loved it yeah love to see all of it yeah uh also i have two others that i'd okay. like to give shout outs to um sam's dad Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, the major or corporal or whatever. What his a rank good was. guy. Yeah. Oh, another thing. Sorry, they're not going to Iceland. No. Do we have any military presence in Iceland? I am not. Uh, we'd have we'd have to talk to Dave Ruff. He'd probably be the foreign policy guy. I, but uh, I'm I'm I really don't know. But they're not shipping him to Iceland in a week. There are not very many people in Iceland to begin with, and so the, I just don't know if we have. I don't know if, if there's the necessity to have a military presence in uh, Iceland for us. And but I'm also, I'm not, I'm not a, uh, I'm not too up to date on how the armed forces work, but I feel like you would get more than a week. Yeah. Unless he straight up lied to Sam for, you know, like three months and was He's like, like, we got to skip town. Yeah. We've been, you know, I got, I got transferred three months ago, but I'm just now telling you we're, yeah. we're out in a week. I, I just didn't want you to freak out on me. So yep. that's what we're doing. Well, he was great. And then the other person I had was, uh, the little twerp friend of Brett. Yeah, the little sidekick. I don't know his name. His one-liners were terrible, but I, I enjoyed every single one of them. I was he, like, oh, this is pretty funny. He certainly didn't want Sam smoke, though. Nope. No, in absolutely that, that not. Sam basically, Sam basically backed him up. And that said, was so... I loved it. He was just like, no, man, sorry. <laughs> Love that. My favorite... I'm going to have to give it to to old Johnny, to the grandpa. Agree. He, uh, he played the role well. Um, totally agree. Really enjoyed it. Let's get to the big cheese. Uh, you know, The big chill is the best moment in any sports movie. It's Roy Hobbs knocking the cover off the ball. It's Mike Ruzioni scoring the game-winning goal in Miracle. This is DCOM. We're going with the cheesiest moment. And I have, I think, more nominees than this one than any of the other DCOM movies. Although double team. Oh, hit me with him. So uh, when Johnny gets to his new room and he hangs the poster, because that's right, New England, surfs up. (laughs) (laughs) Most of these are quotes. I already mentioned almost every line between Johnny and Sam in the training montage is always accompanied by a fake laugh. Mm -hmm. Just that, (laughs) ha, ha. And then um, when when one of Sam's buddies tells Johnny that he saw him going down to get ski patrol and he saw him land... Some land, whatever that uh, that run was. He goes, "Mad props, dude!" And Johnny goes, "Oh, thanks, bruh." 
tough. Bra nectar was a word that was used more than once in the movie where I was like, no one's saying nectar. They did the same thing they did in Brink, which is let's round up all the slang we can find mm-hmm. and let's throw it all into as many lines yep. as we can get it into. Let's sprinkle it all across every single part of this script. Mm-hmm. Uh, Grandpa's fireside chat with with Sam and, and Johnny, and I hate to bag on this because it was a good... I mean, it, it was a good chat. It wasn't the worst, but when he's hitting him with like the waves metaphor, yeah. and Johnny's like, "He, I think what he actually means is that waves can be anything we're struggling with. <laughs> <laughs> it was like very much after school special. And then, uh, yeah, we already talked about this, but the, the quote from Pete, we're going to have a big party at our house this afternoon and everyone's invited. Pete, what the fuck are you doing, man? Yeah, I can't I can't <laughs> confirm this, but I think we used to say that making fun of that line. I think, yeah. <laughs> I feel like we used to like put our hands out and say like, say that exact line and just like make fun of it. That is... Uh, I also thought it was extremely cheesy when grandpa handed over his medal. Oh, yeah. It, How did to what's her face to put on young Johnny. It was like, no... Come on. Stop, dude. Like, don't give up your medal. What if Brett had won? <laughs> and Brett just had this medal. I would love to see the alternate ending of old of old like what old Johnny would say. He's like, Well, this is a special medal given to the best surfer in Hawaii that I just I just lost to a twelve year old. And Brett's just like, Give me that. Yeah. Throw it in my room. Fuck you, lose, grandpa. It, lose it under my bed. Uh well, how would you improve this movie? <sighs> That's a hard question for me. Cause it, it at the like when I watched it, it was 1999. Mm-hmm. I'm 12 years old. I thought it was the perfect movie. Yeah, I was like, I, I will watch this back to back to back to back to back. And I it didn't still care. has aged pretty decently. Not terribly. It's still an entertaining movie. It's like just shy of 90 minutes, mm-hmm. and it, it's it's pretty solid. That's the good thing about these decoms, man. Is you can lock you can knock them out pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. The one thing that I would do to improve the movie would to be getting younger stunt doubles. Yes. There are so many young kids out there that are good at snowboarding or skiing, and they clearly just got like 30-year-old dudes to, sh- to do the stuff. And it just made no sense to me. Like, especially then, like, yeah, like you were saying, it was kind of peak awareness of extreme sports, and there was no shortage of young people who are good at those things. Mm-hmm. So it just made no sense to have these guys snowboarding and skiing and surfing who were clearly not them. Or at least find people that are smaller. Sean White was probably right about that age. Yeah, Sean White was just probably like fiending for that. Probably could have made a cameo in that movie. Honestly, I'm surprised I mean, he wasn't surprised he wasn't in Sam Squad as like a cameo because he was famous very young. That's true. Yeah, so he was, kind of kind of a shocker there. He was a two athlete guy too. He was a, he used to be like a pro skateboarder as well as Skating a pro snowboarder. And snowboarding. Yeah, uh, I would have given Johnny a better haircut. Yeah. which I already said fair um, and probably would have taken some of the overdone slang out. Yes. I think that would have improved that take, it takes you out of it every now and then when you tell they're, they're trying too hard. But again, that's the thing of childhood is you're, no one sounds that cool as a child and it's that's very, true. and it's very rare. I mean, the best movies do it well where children's dialogue and candor is, is still very good to adults. Like, I recently saw Jojo Rabbit, and the best part of that movie is the two young child actors talking with each other. It's very enjoyable. It's very funny. Not every movie is going to be like that. There's yeah. going to be some awkwardness when you're having child actors deliver delivering lines written by adults. But uh, yeah, just t- take out some of the nectar. Take mm-hmm. out some bras. You don't have to take out every bra. No. Little bra here, little bra there. T- yeah. Take out a couple. Yeah, you have to choose your spot with bra. Because I feel like you say it as like demeaning thing. Mm-hmm. It's like, all right, bra. Or diversify the slang. Yeah. It's like they didn't get enough. Mm-hmm. They got a couple words and really, really stuck to them. Brink, it's like they got way too many. Yes. They needed to find... Brink was... Yeah, Brink was to find ridiculous. A happy, medium, a happy medium. But this movie's pretty good. Will, I am I'm so grateful you invited me to your studio to cover this movie. Tell the folks again where they can follow you. You can follow me at Will DeFreeze, or you can uh, just hop on uh, wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe to Circling Back and or the Sunday Scaries podcast. Everyone, definitely go do that. If you enjoyed this episode of Big Screen Sports and you're enjoying DCOM December, please make sure you're subscribed, rate, leave a review. You guys know the drill. Uh, Next week, hope everyone has a happy holiday. You will not get a new episode of this podcast. We might be re-releasing our first episode on Remember the Titans on the 23rd. Stay tuned for that, but it will be a re-release on December 30th, Monday. We're back at it with the final episode of DCOM December. That is High School Musical with my buddy Mike Schubert from the Potterless Podcast. 
We'll see you then. Thanks. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.